This is the Advanced Consulting Group Podcast from Nationwide. My name is Chad Queen. I don't know things, but I have people here that do. And joining me today will be Ryan Patton with his newly minted JD. He's going to talk to me about Medicare and Social Security planning for farmers, uh, baby boomer farmers as they uh, they plan for their retirement and their days in retirement. So before I get to Ryan, let me quickly tell you that federal income tax laws are complex and subject to change. Anything discussed in this incredible podcast is based on current interpretations of the law and is not guaranteed. Nationwide, its employees, agents, brokers, and registered representatives don't give legal or tax advice. And you should consult an attorney, not this attorney though, a different one, or a competent tax professional for answers to specific questions as they apply to your own situation. Okay, Ryan Patton is back with me. Ryan, how you doing? Good. 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 Uh, Ryan, I was looking at this white paper that you wrote not all that long ago, and it, it, it's entitled Healthcare Planning for Farming Baby Boomers. Ryan, can you talk to me a little bit about, about this white paper? It looks here that you're trying to really break down uh, Medicare. And before we get into Medicare, listen, I understand, we understand here at the ACG, that things will change at some point. We're going to talk about the current form of Medicare. Uh, we're not going to talk about any proposals that are being pitched by uh, any government officials or anybody campaigning for any office. We're going to talk about the current iteration of Medicare. So uh, yeah, yeah, Ryan, what's going on here? Yeah, so I, I thought this was really a, a pertinent time just due to the, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. We we have in, in some of our papers references to the uh, 2017 Ag Census. That actually just came out not too long ago. So we thought it was a, a really a pertinent time to to bring up these these issues just due to some of the statistics and you know some of those that we can talk through is this may shock you but the uh, average age of the farmer it it didn't go down over the last few years <laughs> keeps going up right keeps going up and the the statistics show you know back in 19 uh what is it 1982 1982 we had a uh, an average age of our farmer at 50 and a half essentially Today, 2017 shows the statistics at being 57 and a half. With that said, the average age of the farmer, are we still working on the farm? Are we still active producing? What does that mean for our healthcare choices? What does that mean for our uh, supplemental income? How quickly can I uh, step away from the farm and still enjoy the benefits of potentially income and potentially the, uh, the healthcare coverage that I need? Ryan, I'm glad you brought up that stat about the, the increasing age of farmers, and we talk about that stat a lot just within the nationwide program, Land is Your Legacy. If I could just get your own guess of, of why this is, is it, is it just longer life expectancies uh, within the, the ag community and farmers are able to work longer? Is it they don't have anyone to, to pass their farm on to? Why do you think farmers are working longer? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think, you know, there's, there's several factors to it. First, the old time farmer, the mom and dad of the 57 and a half year old, they likely still actually own the assets of the farm. At this point, you know, they still own the, uh, the real estate. And if you own the real estate, that's likely the, uh, the loans and things like that, the operational loans are tied to that real estate. So the, the great grandparents of the, uh, the average age farmer, I would say, or the, uh, the grandparents, the parents of the uh, average age farmer at 57 and a half, those individuals just don't own the assets yet. So they're still actively working. They're still actively participating in the operations to maintain those uh, healthcare coverage needs, the the income that they need, because they can't rent out the land yet. They can't secure the financing potentially on their own. 
it's almost a, a necessary burden that you work a little bit later until, unfortunately, mom and dad are going to pass away, kick down that, that land, kick down the operations. But that may not be until a point, you know, when you're 65 or even, you know, in the 60s at least. So it's a, it's a different market than your traditional business owner or even, a, you know, employee of a large business. Sure. So as these farmers are, are working uh, into, into later years and they're still on the farm, I mean, health issues can pop up. What are some options then for, uh, for farmers? They're on the farm. What can they do when health issues do arise? Is this, is this when we consider Medicare? Yeah, so that's that's really where we're leaning on as far as the papers go and, and what we've uh, analyzed for a lot of these folks is the one solution. We're not going into the whole uh, Affordable Care Act. This, Medicare particularly, is for those individuals in their mid-60s that are looking for a solution that's been out there. So Medicare is that solution for many of those individuals that are 65 or older just to do uh, uh, several factors, and predominantly that's cost. Ryan, can you break down the four parts of Medicare? Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, I'd say the traditional four parts, and there are several other plans within the Medicare uh, system, but uh, generally a lot of talk is around the traditional four. So part A, uh, that's your general hospital insurances. And I'm using air quotes, which nobody can see, but that's the hospital insurance. They're there. He's doing them. <laughs> that's right. So that's, that's your typical, I go to a hospital, I get the care that I need. Uh, for many individuals, that's actually a free covered cost due to them participating in either the uh, Medicare tax or the uh, Social Security, kind of that system I've been putting in for 10 years. As long as I've been putting into the system for 10 years, this portion I don't have to pay out of out of pocket. If you are in that position where you have to pay out of the pocket, it can be uh, pretty expensive. It can be as much as uh, $437 a month. So that can really drain down on the, uh, the farm's income and the farm's ability to stay afloat. Now the next part, that we get into is part B. And that's really your medical insurance or your supplemental insurance. And that, that gets into the point where, uh, do I need the additional testing? Do I need those additional uh, services by a local professional? That's really where this comes in. It's, it's everything that isn't part of the hospital system. It's those outpatient services and, and so much more, the home health services, testing exams, and so on. A, a lot of individuals have part A as kind of a, a guarantee Part B, you know, that's really where you get into the supplemental and do I need it? it it's an additional cost as well. It could be up to, uh, you know, a, an average of 135, about 136 uh, dollars a month. So with with individuals making less than that 85,000 kind of benchmark, uh, it, it's in a cost that you're going to have to account for when you're entering into this uh, mid to late 60 range. Uh, part C. A lot of folks call this Medicare Advantage. Uh, this part, you know, it, it, it takes into effect all those other things that we traditionally uh, view as benefits to a local employer. So that's your, your dental, your health, your vision, your hearing, uh, all of those sorts of things, wellness programs. It, it's another cost as well. Uh, if you'd like those things and many individuals, you know, that's, that's, that's where we're at is you need those additional uh, supplemental coverages as well, but there's cost there as well. Uh, the tricky thing with that is, depending on the program that you elect within that coverage, the Part C coverage, uh, cost varies. So do you want the, uh, the platinum version? Do you want the, uh, the lesser version? And there's, there's several uh, uh, state-specific aspects to that as well, and, and just the general Medicare program for states too. Uh, Part D is 
pretty common as well. Uh, this is your pres prescription drug coverage. So this is any, any of those additional medications that you may need. And uh, traditionally, this is one of those that, you know, it's rolled into that whole package. It's Medicare. It's not all these broken down parts. It's what do I need? What do I need based on my situation? What does my family health history tell me I need? There's a lot of factors that go into this uh, choosing of the different plans. But that gets into, uh, you know, cost too. If we know that we're going to have this sort of cost in the future, what can we do today to prepare ourselves for that additional cost and, and make sure it's not one that, that blindsides us as well? Now, Ryan, one thing that we know uh, there's more awareness of in terms of retirement planning is, is long-term care coverage. Long-term care costs are increasing. That includes assisted living facilities, in-home health care, which is really everything wrapped up into long-term care, especially if you have a catastrophic health event that takes place into your retirement. What will Medicare do for long-term care coverage? Yeah, so that's that's a great great question. And you know, in the uh, the past four that we ta talked about there, the part different parts of, of coverage. One thing that I didn't bring up is that long-term custodial care aspect. Uh, that's a common misconception that you know Medicare is going to cover me and it's going to help me in a facility. It's going to help me with uh, with all of those needs that I have. Uh, Medicare actually doesn't cover any of that custodial care. So that would be anything that involves um, uh, your day-to-day -day activities. So if you need help bathing, dressing, any of those sorts of additional needs, that's not covered. And that's a huge expense for a lot of these individuals that find themselves in a uh, long-term care event. And that can be as much as uh, you know, $6,800 a month on average for those individuals. So you know, where does that money come from? Is the farm able to support that kind of additional income stream? Because that's, that's a big chunk of change each month coming out to pay for mom or dad's long-term care needs. Something like that, again, there's, there's different insurance, just like there is for, uh, for your Medicare different parts. Long-term care, standalone policy, some sort of uh, a separate policy to insure against that kind of risk to that farm. Uh, again, that's something I would definitely have individuals consider when they're looking into their, their potential health care needs in the future. We don't want to scare anyone, but there's real potential that the operations of a farm could be in jeopardy mm -hmm. if there was some kind of a catastrophic health event and long-term care was needed and the farm had to be leveraged in some way. Have you have you seen these? Yeah. Have you seen these? these oh, absolutely. Kind of I mean, you, you'll see folks that even as part of the uh, part of their financial plan when they're working with an advisor is, hey, if I if I went into one of these care facilities, here's how much land I would have to account for just the Medicare, just the, uh, the, the cost of that long-term care facility. Here's the amount of land that would go effectively out of production. Can the farm support itself without, you know, X amount of acres? Yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating way to look at the planning, but yeah, if, if you're not planning for it properly, it's absolutely something that could destroy the, the farm that you've built up over the last 50 years. Before we move on, let me then just say, because we did get into long-term care a little bit, we have an absolute authority in long-term care. Her name is Sean Britt on our team. I've done a couple podcasts with her already, and she has a lot of different materials out there. Uh, we have a couple more in the works with her as well. So uh, look for, if you're an advisor, you're trying to talk to clients about long-term care coverage, or if, if you're a farmer out there and, and you think you might want long-term care, 
find your advisor. And if you're an advisor, maybe you need to come and talk to Sean Britt. We can show you the solutions that are available to help people um, so they are not surprised by long-term care costs that they may incur as they get older. Ryan, let's talk briefly about Social Security before we get out of here. When should someone in the ag community start considering electing for Social Security benefits? Yeah, so this is a it's an interesting topic as well, and it does tie into the uh, Medicare discussion. Uh, just generally speaking, uh, the same sort of qualifications to some degree rely on the uh, the ten year mark. So, have I been putting into this sort of program for ten years? And you know, you would think a uh, traditional employee, I'm getting a W two wage, that's fine and dandy. I'm going to get this in the future. I'm going to be paying into the system for the ten years. That's going to be no issue. For farmers, that's that's a totally different context. Many farmers, as individuals listening to this may know, you have the ability to just completely write off any sort of income that you want to show. So, you know, a lot of folks, they'll drive their income down to zero or they may even show a loss and they effectively just push this tax wall back. So they're not really paying into any of these programs. With that said, we run into a lot of situations where Will the farmer actually qualify for Social Security? Have they actually put in the 10-year uh, requirement? And what does that really mean? And I think that's something we can, we can dive into a little bit here as well. Uh, we, we say the 10 years, it's really 40 credits worth of eligible wages. So in 2019, that minimum earning for the uh, per credit or per quarter uh, requirement is $1,300 or 1360 essentially. So not a, not a great deal of money. Uh, if you round that out to the year, it's 5440 So not a, not a huge amount of earnings. But for farmers, that's, that's completely different. Uh, a lot of these farms, 1,000-acre farms, even several hundred-acre farms, they don't even have to show that much income for the year if they structure their operations right, if they buy a new tractor and write off you know, uh, depreciation, things of that nature. They may not actually show those wages, which if they're relying on Social Security as a way to uh, offset their income from the farm in the future, they may have uh, shot themselves in the foot, essentially, because they're not putting in, you know, for the last 10 years. And, hey, I, uh, I plan on getting it, but it's just not there. What can I expect as a monthly benefit from Social Security as of right now? Yeah, so, you know, that's that's an interesting one as well. You know, a lot of these times we, we, we talk through and say, you know, what could I plan for? I'm going to have this additional income. So we talked about the uh, the healthcare cost. That's going to be offset by any Social Security uh, benefit that I receive. A lot of folks don't uh, really account for what are they actually getting. Uh, just for a reference point, the maximum benefit under the current law in 2019, those individuals can receive up to about 3770 a month. So when you take into account those additional costs, we, we had discussed, you know, just the, uh, the long-term care not covered by Medicare, if you go into one of those long-term care facilities, that's 6800 a month, potentially. So if the maximum for an individual is 3770 we're still on the whole. And that's with an individual putting in 10 years at the maximum earnings amount of uh, close to 133000 So with that said, should I anticipate my Social Security offsetting any sort of uh, Medicare or any sort of long-term care facility, I think that's a hard that's a hard uh, conversation to have because it's likely going to be no. It's just not going to be there uh, for those farmers in general because they're showing you know next to nothing when it comes to uh, wages. So, generally, kind of in closing on on this, 
planning for it is, is one thing, but expecting it to be your golden ticket riding into retirement, it's just not going to be there to the degree that a lot of individuals think. And the, the call to action essentially is plan for these additional costs, sit down with the uh, Social Security representative, the Medicare representative, understand what options they have, and, and really what can I do to uh, potentially increase the payment I'm receiving from Social Security and potentially uh, offset some of those fixed healthcare costs into those you know, 60s, 70s, and so forth. Great. Ryan, before we go, let me just ask you this. If there's a farmer out there, they're sitting down, they're listening to this podcast, they think to themselves, I have Social Security, I have Medicare, I'm going to be fine. What else should they consider uh, as they think about their their upcoming uh, time in retirement? Yeah, I think the the biggest one, we covered this already, is that long-term care need that could arise. And for many farms, that that is a reality. It's something that strikes them as a, uh, you know, I thought this was covered with Medicare how did I not know this until I actually start getting my bill? So sit down with your representative, find out if that is, is the case where your, your Medicare coverage isn't what you had intended it to be or isn't what it was thinking it was going to be or to cover. So really sit down, analyze that uh, potential cost. How would we offset it? What do I need to set aside in a separate bucket, separate insurance as well? Uh, something to cover that additional cost. I would say that that's one of the biggest things there's figure out what's not covered and find a way to allot for that, for that potential risk. That's great. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. I, I hope we'll have you back uh, in the near future. And thank you out there for listening. This has been the Advanced Consulting Group Podcast. This recording is not intended by the creators to be used and cannot be used by anybody for the purpose of avoiding any penalties that may be imposed on you pursuant to the Internal Revenue Code. This information contained herein was prepared to support the promotion, marketing, and or sale of life insurance contracts, annuity contracts, and or other products and services provided by Nationwide Life Insurance Company. This recording is not designed or intended to provide financial, tax, legal, accounting, or other professional advice because such advice always requires consideration of individual circumstances. If professional advice is needed, the services of a professional should be sought since neither the company nor its representatives give legal or tax advice. Federal tax laws are complex and subject to change. As you or your client's personal situations change, for example, marriage, birth of a child, or job promotion, so will your or their life insurance needs. Care should be taken to ensure these strategies and products are suitable for long-term life insurance needs. You should weigh objectives, time horizon, and risk tolerance, as well as any associated costs before investing. Also, be aware that market volatility can lead to the possibility of the need for additional premium in the policy. Variable life insurance has fees and charges associated with it that include costs of insurance that vary with such characteristics of the insured as gender, health, and age, underlying fund charges and expenses, and additional charges for riders that customize a policy to fit your client's individual needs. Before investing, understand that annuities and or life insurance products are not insured by the FDIC, NCUSIF, or any other federal government agency and are not deposits or obligations of, guaranteed by, or insured by the depository institution where offered or any of its affiliates. Annuities and or life insurance products that involve investment risk may lose value. Federal income tax laws are complex and subject to change. The information in this recording is based on current interpretations of the law and is not guaranteed. Neither Nationwide nor its employees, its agents, brokers, or registered representatives gives legal or tax advice. You should consult an attorney or competent tax professional for answers to specific tax questions as they apply to your situation. All guarantees and protections are subject to the claims-paying ability of Nationwide Life Insurance Company and do not apply to variable underlying investment options. Investing involves market risk, including risk of loss of principal. Before selecting any product, please consider objectives and needs, including cash flow and liquidity needs, and overall risk tolerance and time horizon, as well as any associated costs. Annuities and life insurance products are underwritten by Nationwide Life Insurance Company and Nationwide Life and Annuity Insurance Company, Columbus, Ohio. The general distributor for variable annuity contracts and variable life insurance policies is Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA. Nationwide, the Nationwide and an Eagle, and Nationwide is on your side. Our service marks of Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company.